Hello there, everybody. Sean Sheehan here for SureDog.com. Uh, and today I will be looking at the very, very good card of Bellator 268, which goes down this weekend in the Footprint Center uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. This is the, the first of my preview shows uh, that I'll be doing, looking at some cards like this, like the Bellator cards, like the big PFL card coming up, uh, and more around the world of, of mixed martial arts, cage wires, and uh, and different things as well. So I'm excited to get started and, uh, and to have a look at these cards. And, you know, starting off with Bellator 268, I think it's a very good card to start with because... Uh, it's a very good time for Bellator. If you look at what's coming up, you know, me as well as someone from uh, from Irish MMA, I'm really looking forward uh, to Bellator coming back to Ireland at the start of November. That should be a, an absolutely fantastic uh, event, especially with Peter Quilly fighting for the title against Patricky Pitbull. You know, it's always um, it's always exciting if you've never been in Ireland to be uh, at one of those big Irish guards from all the way back to you know Conor McGregor fighting against Diego Brandao um for the um for the uh, you know the, the the first of the kind of the McGregor era main events uh and to do it in Ireland was was very very special obviously and uh you know it's it's going to be absolutely fantastic to see Peter Coeli there and James Gallagher in the co-main event and everything like that but the week before that we fed out a million inco uh obviously in his uh, retirement uh fight <laughs> however uh however much you believe in retirements um and that's going to be a big card as well and then the week after uh, another Irish woman Sinead Kavanagh fights Chris Cyborg uh, for the women's featherweight title and another good card as well so we will get into all of those cards uh, in the coming weeks but as I said today we're going to be looking at Bellator 268 um, headlined by uh, Vadim Ninkov uh, versus Anglicus uh, I'm going to have to get the pronunciation of that name right Julius Anglicus um, in the semi-final of the Bellator uh, light heavyweight tournament also on the card is the other semi-final, Ryan Bader versus Corey Anderson. Um, and a good card shrouded, Vincent Anderson versus Bryn Primus, Sinri Corrales, uh, and Vladislav uh, Prabhuchenko. Also on the card as well, Kal Albrechtson uh, and uh, Yeg Shodimov, whose name I also always butcher. But um, it's up and down. Look, the undercard, I, I'm going to start at the undercard because um, I, I was looking through all the fighters and taking kind of notes on, on the undercard and looking... Um, to kind of for kind of things that stick out and what does stick out in this really is typical of, of lots of Bellator undercards I suppose it's lots of local talent uh, and some good up and comers as well so if you look at it uh, Colette Santiago from Arizona she's actually fighting another Arizona uh, I'm not sure if she's from Arizona natively but she's living in Arizona now and that's uh, Maria Henderson who is the wife of Benson Henderson who also fights in this card so that's obviously one very intriguing storyline coming in here you uh, you know, two obviously very uh, oh and two Calais and uh, Marie Henderson is one and oh, so you know, not the most experienced in the world, but kind of a fun way to start off this card. I assume uh, that will be opening up the card, so that's a very very fun way I think to start off the card to uh, you know to get the crowd in nearly as well, and that's uh, that's going to be an interesting one. Then we have uh, Jaleel Willis, who's two and oh in Bellator, former LFA champion, taking on uh, Mohammed Burkamov, the former AC champion and he's wins over the likes of Jesse Taylor and Brett Cooper um so you know that's uh Burkham 14 and 1 Jaleel Willis 15 and 2 170 pounds 
that's that's going to be an interesting one. And you know, when you have those sort of records in Bellator, you you could be climbing the ranks, you know, <laughs> pretty quickly. And uh, we saw obviously a couple of weeks ago with Douglas Lima versus uh, MVP that 170 pound division is moving, so uh, they might be moving up it as well with a win here. Um, then we have Rafael Montini, who is uh, from Arizona as well, um, and he takes on 80 ATT's three and uh, Jalen Bates was a top prospect. Uh, you might remember him. He got that. Um, he got the one-handed guillotine choke. So yeah, that's that's kind of the the, the memory of him. So uh, you know, two uh, a guy who was three and all taking on a guy who's six and four. It's a good test for him as an up and comer uh, coming through to see where his level is at uh, in that Bellator 135 pound division. Then we have Lance Gibson Jr. taking on uh, Raymond Pena. Um, Ray Pena, obviously, out of Arizona as well. So in every fight so far, I think there's been an Arizona native. Lance Gibson Jr., uh, obviously the son of Lance Gibson, but Julia Budd steps on as well. I remember the last fight uh, where he fought in Bellator. She was in his corner. And uh, I think was well, she fighting the same night, or maybe 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 she wasn't, but she, you know, that that was kind of a, a big thing at the at the time as well. And he's another guy, so he's you know another one of the prospects coming through. So him and and Bates early on the card uh, is very is very good to to watch. Uh, Simoka Inaba versus uh, Randy Field as well. They're both two and zero. Um, Randy has loads of stoppages on her uh, amateur and pro ledger so she's definitely the one to look at there i think as well uh then gregory miller takes on uh javier torres millard uh fought in bellator he fought against anglicus who we'll be talking about a lot later i kept getting taken down over and over and over in that fight um and javier torres out of uh, out of arizona has done he's done lots of grappling tournaments recently he's won six of his seven stoppage wins by submission so against a guy with not the best wrestling in the world against like the submission artist you could kind of uh you could kind of understand what's going to be going on there i think javier torres will probably be trying to take him down and uh, and get the submission on that one uh then bobby lee or two in bellator he lost Sarn back last time. I uh, fights 11 1 Nick Brown, the LFA lightweight champion, in his Bellator debut. So I'm sure he's one of those guys, Nick Brown, that they're looking to rise through that lightweight division and giving him a good test here against uh, against Bobby Lee. So that's definitely one to, to keep an eye on there as well. Um, and then we have Sullivan Colley versus Dion Cash, uh, both 1 0 light, uh, light heavyweight. Uh, uh, finding out of Arizona, so uh, that's kind of the the undercard there, um, to to look at, and then we have the the top fights, obviously going from Albrechtson to up to uh, uh, up to the very top and up to the main event. So first of all, let me have a a quick talk about um about Karl Albrechtson. So he's uh fighting uh, Vadislav Prabuchenko, or sorry, he's fighting uh, Yakshimuradov uh, here, and. Uh, Albrechtson is one of only two men to beat the champion Vadim Nimkov, you know, the other being uh, Yuri Prohachka, who uh, Albrechtson has also fought. Um, it's his third Bellator fight, and he's kind of one of these lads who's been all over the world. You know, he's fought in Risen, he's fought everywhere. He's supposed to fight Chris Fields, Ireland's own here, uh, what, maybe two, geez, you would know what they're on, now, maybe three years ago at this stage. So he's, he's a guy that's really been around and really been, you know, fighting... You know, fighting the best when he can fight the best. And, you know, he's a, a good record still of, of 12 and 3. He's a big, strong, athletic uh, fighter. He took Nimkov down a good few times. He's a real competitor everywhere. Um, and if you like someone like that in the 205 pound division who is a competitor, an athlete, and can fight everywhere you're going to see them having success, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, because you don't have that many. We, you know, we know in, in MMA, whether it's light heavyweight or heavy, you don't have that many people 
uh, of the of the bigger variety, and I can say that as well myself. Maybe not with the athleticism, but you know, with with that athleticism and with that ability. Um, so someone who does have that will go probably a little bit longer than or go a little bit further even than most. And I think Al Brexton, he's one of those guys that I feel like if he could get settled somewhere and if he could get into like a, a, a winning, uh, maybe not a winning mentality, but a winning run, I think he he could be a guy that surprises people. And in a place like Bellator as well, where you will get fights like this and you will get opportunities and you've a win over the champion. That's a very, very big thing. And, you know, he's fighting someone, uh, Yakshimura Dov. He fought Corey Anderson last time out. Uh, he got taken apart on the ground, really. He was good at landing counters, but he hurt. Uh, he got hurt against Corey because he kept getting taken down. You know, Or the counters hurt him even because he kept getting taken down. You know, he's throwing wheel kicks. He throws lots of big, you know, outlandish kind of shots. And it kind of makes him tired. And if you look at a guy like Al Brexton, he he's a bit similar but he also kind of has that um he has that kind of the clinch and pull you to the ground uh part of his game which will help his cardio which will help him throughout the the length of this fight in over three rounds i feel like this is going to be a really fun fight i think both lads are going to be coming out here and they're just going to be kind of throwing it down um if you're carol albrexton and you've watched that last fight with uh with um uh, Corey Anderson against y- Yakshimurov I think you your game plan has to be to take him down you know your game plan has to be thinking about let uh Yakshimurov kind of come to you a little bit because he will try to throw those counters let him come to you um and then try to you know dip under something get the takedown or just push him against the cage pull him down tire him out a little bit even for a round and then on the ground I think uh, Al Brexton is is very good now Yakshimurov is no joke either but um I, I, I don't know, the, the betting odds aren't out yet, actually. I'll have a, a betting show as well coming up here on uh, on Sherdog.com in, in the coming days. And uh, this might be one of the ones I have a look at the bets at, but I want to see the betting line first. The betting lines aren't out, as I mentioned. Um, but uh, this is a this is an interesting fight and uh, and a very, very fun one to kind of round out the prelim section uh, of the card, which is, you know, lots of, um, lots of local talent to Arizona and... Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. So the, the main card then, um, before we get into fight by fight, I think it's it's one of those ones, right? When when a Bellator comes here to Ireland, I'm sure if there's people listening to this from from Arizona or wherever you are, and they come to your local town, you want to see first of all, you want to see a couple of good fights. You want to see the locals on the undercard, but you also kind of want to see names on the card as well and fights that matter. You know that was a big issue I think here for for fights that came to Ireland. You know you had fights that really weren't moving guys into the next level that weren't you know we we didn't have any title fights we didn't have any you know number one contender fights it was just it it felt like there was it felt like there was good fights but it was missing something and now obviously with the Ireland card we have the the title fight and probably possibly a number one contender fight as well so that's changing a little bit for this one but on this card here I feel like you've you've lots of that because you have the Vincent Henderson versus Bryn Primus the names you know you have the the two former champions obviously Bryn uh, Primus in uh, is it Primus or Primus I I can never get it right but uh, in uh, in Bellator and then you've Vincent Henderson you know the the long time uh, UFC lightweight champion as well and then you have the tournament you know and obviously with the, the title fight in that and with the, the, the two semi-finals. So there's kind of double meaning to the to the main event. And uh, there's very much meaning to the co-main event as well. And then you've, I think, a very fun fight between Henry Corrales versus uh, Prabhu Shinkro as well. So, uh, like, all in all, Bellator cards a lot of the time, 
they're there for criticism and uh, you know in future i'm sure i will i will criticize them a bit but this one really there isn't much to criticize about it it's a it's a really fun card a really good card with lots of meaning and um you know one that you will be tuning in for i think it's a bit of an earlier card as well so that's that's even better uh, as well so let's start uh, here and, and we look at the um the opening fight on the uh, main card, which is Vladislav Pravchenko versus Henry Corrales. Uh, Henry Corrales obviously training out of Arizona as well. He fought uh, Darian Caldwell in a in a very similar kind of match. So if you watch uh, Pravchenko, right? So I went to I watched a few Pravchenko fights first, and then I, I was looking for a Henry Corrales fight to watch to look for a similar type of fighter. And the Darian Caldwell one was that because if you haven't seen Pravchenko fight before. Um, he so he fights out of the same gym as the welterweight champion uh, Yaroslav Amosov, and he's one of these guys. He's a very unusual fighter, right? He's he's very small, really small, a tiny, even for you know for one forty-five, he looks like a one twenty-five. Or he's very very small. He doesn't throw any punches, and he just goes for takedowns all the time. He just waits and waits and waits and waits for you. And watching the Henry Corrales versus Caldwell fight. It was a similar enough fight where the two of them, you know, if you saw the the, the fight at the weekend, the, the main event in the UFC, McKinsey Dern uh, against uh, against Rodriguez, for the first round they kind of waited and waited and waited and waited for the other person almost to do something before they sprang into action first. And I feel like that's the way Prabhuchinko fights all the time and that's the way Corrales versus Caldwell was but very very momentarily he just couldn't wait Corrales you know we've seen him throughout the years I was I was reading the Bellator press release there and they were calling him a kind of a, a knockout artist in that and it was like you could kind of see it that he was he was not patient enough to wait to not give Caldwell an opportunity. And if you're fighting Prabhuchinko and you give him an opportunity, he will take you down because his wrestling is really, really good. Um, and it only takes one opportunity. So the problem with that in as well is Corrales, when he did get taken down against Caldwell and he got back up. So at the start, he wasn't patient enough. You know, he didn't wait. He didn't pick his shot at the right time. He came in. Caldwell wanted him to come in and he took him down. Then when it got back to the feet, he was too patient. You know, he wasn't throwing any shots and they were kind of just walking around each other. And at that stage, Caldwell was winning the fight. You know, so you have to find, I think, a happy medium for someone like Henry Corrales between throwing your shots and waiting to throw your shots, you know. And I suppose that's that's very much easier said than done by me sitting here, you know, talking into a fucking microphone. Um, and especially against a guy like Prabhuchinko because he brings a different sort of thing as well in that... I, I've I honestly, if you go back and watch a couple of his fights, he's a very, 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 very unique fighter. In that he throws, and I said earlier, he he doesn't throw shots, and and I stand by that. But he throws shots and like pulls out of them halfway all the time, just all the time. Like he throw a punch, and he's like oh. And then expect you to move and then go for a takedown. Or he'll throw a kick and he holds it in the air. Like Tim Elliott at the weekend was kind of just holding it and like walking forward. Like a fucking, I don't know, uh, an ostrich or something. I don't know what he was doing. But um, uh, Prabhuchinko just does that all the time. But in like, ha it, do you ever see like someone fainting? And they throw like right in front of you, but not with kind of full power. He's like throwing a half faint just to like draw you out. And... He go, I, I'm not sure what Kenny Crowders does. I, I assume he goes back and watches tape and he's camp watch tape and everything like that. But if he's one of those people who doesn't watch tape, I imagine this would be a big problem. If he does, it'll actually be a big benefit to him, I think, because 
when someone does that, I'm sure, like, I, I maybe I'm not smart enough now to find ways around it. But I'm sure there are ways to, to you know, to find ways around it. When you know someone is not going to punch you, you can hit them in a way that you're not giving them the big opportunity to take you down like they want, while also being able to get out. So maybe, it, maybe for Corrales here, just one shot and get away. Like as he comes in, jab him. You know you're not going to get hit back, and then circle around and move away, and don't get caught in that takedown. I think, as I said, the the fine balance between patience and throwing too many shots is or, or not too many shots necessarily, but throwing shots at the wrong time is what Corrales needs. And if he can find that here, I think he'll win. But if he can't, I think he'll probably get taken down. You know, Prabushenko's all he wants to do is wrestle. You know, and um, he he's very good on top, and he he's very good at kind of. Staying on top more than anything else, and he's some good ground and pound as well. But yeah, that's definitely I think the key. That, look, it's it's an uh, you could call it a striker versus wrestler. I think it's a wrestler versus a mixed martial artist more than anything else. Have watched uh, a good bit of Prabhuchikko, but um, it's um, it's an intriguing fight for me, and one I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. So um, yeah, let's uh, let's see how that one goes. Let's talk a little bit about Benson Henderson versus Bryn Primus. So. It's funny, Bryn Primus, I, I, I kind of had to look at it twice here. He's fighting for uh, the, the second time in three months. He usually only fights once a year, you know. 11 fights, Primus, he's been around for, I think, for 10, 11 years. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that works out for him, you know. <laughs> you know, we, we've often talked about Cowboy Cerrone before with his, uh, when he's fighting every three to four weeks or maybe every, you know, two months, it's good for him. And then when he's a long time out, it's probably not the best thing in the world for him. And we'll see how that works out for a guy like Primus who's not used to it. Um, when you look at Primus, sometimes you think of him like he's... He looks like kind of an old-school wrestle boxer. But he he has that in his back pocket. But I think he's more of like a jiu-jitsu boxer. Because he comes in and he throws these big shots. And he's there to be taken down at all times. But when he does get down, he just attacks with submissions continuously just non-stop we saw him was it tim wilde he got the go-go plat on um which absolutely fantastic i remember that night i was uh, it was on in in england i think so it was a normal time here for me in ireland so i, I think i was i don't know i was out on the 21st or something and i came back in and i was like oh someone has won my go-go plat and i missed it fuck's sake <laughs> you know so it was, it was what it is um and he does it all the time, you know, watching a couple of these fights, even the, what fight was I watching, the Michael Chandler, uh, the, the latest Michael Chandler fight, you know, he was trying to triangle him, he was trying to get uh, arm bars from the bottom and everything like that, and it's, it's look, it's a dangerous and, and a good thing to have, and to be active, and even just to get out, but he doesn't really try to get out, he tries to get the submissions, which is an unusual thing, I suppose, in mixed martial arts these days, jiu-jitsu isn't... Um, isn't as prevalent as it once was as an attacking finishing force you know it's still obviously used a lot defensively but to see someone with that kind of open wide guard is um is is more unusual i suppose than it would have been a few years ago and to do it at the at the level where he's been doing it at where you know he's obviously won the title and been fighting for for titles is uh is very uh very interesting but Vincent Henderson then is you know he's he's won UFC title fights by submission um submitting uh, obviously Anthony Pettis with that uh, that arm bar from the bottom as well so maybe if it gets into a jiu-jitsu match this will be interesting as I mentioned earlier he's his wife is fighting as well so that's probably the first thing to mention here <laughs> you know that what difference is that going to make I spoke uh, on my podcast over in Severe May at the weekend about Mackenzie Dern 
and how you know her having her uh, I think it's, it's her daughter I think around I don't think that benefited her necessarily I think it was the same for um, for Matt uh, Matt Max uh, Max Holloway <laughs> Matt, Matt Holloway uh, when he had uh, his son cage side he kind of mentioned it after and you've seen people talk about you know their brothers on the card or something like that and you know they get knocked out beforehand or something and, and it just doesn't make them make them feel great now conversely maybe if his wife goes out and wins it'll make him feel great so maybe it'll work in in his uh favor but i feel like and i i hear that it's not just me it's something i've kind of ripped from from other sports and i think about when i'm talking about these sort of things like you see in i, I think basketball players do it and it's over here in the premier league they do it to, you know they kind of come in their suits or in their kind of their 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 matching outfits let's say the teams because they're ready for work you know you're putting on your suit you're going into work you have your briefcase you're getting ready to work you get into that mindset kind of for war and um if Benson Henderson you know he's there and he's spending half the night kind of worrying about his wife fighting which is absolutely naturally she'd be doing the same the other way around or whoever if he's your brother or your sister or whoever fighting on the card it'd be the same so that is just one piece of kind of the intrigue I suppose uh or, or maybe not the intrigue but like the one part of the game for Benson Henderson but uh on his game itself obviously we know Benson throughout the years um he's always kind of been a flowy fighter it's, you know some people probably would have criticized him a bit not the biggest puncher or finisher in the world although he has finishes as i mentioned in in title fights but it feels like his last two fights he's been trying to force it a little bit more and being a bit, little bit less flowy i was actually at his what three fights ago in he fought in ireland against uh who was he he fought miles jury and he said afterwards that was kind of it was kind of a boring fight it went three rounds and there was not much to separate him but he said after that fight in the press conference that or the, or the media scrum even that he was never going to fight a fight like that again you know he said he was uh, he's reached a stage in his career where he doesn't want to have boring fights again and he wants to go out and he wants to throw it all and honestly uh, as i went back and watched those two fights against jason jackson and uh, what was the other one michael chandler i think yeah um you could see that you could really see it now he lost those two fights and the fight against jason jackson wasn't the most exciting in the world we know what happened in that you know there was all the controversy and things but I think he was trying to be more forceful in the way he fought in, in both of those fights. You know, um, he was gripping onto takedowns and, you know, Jason was there throwing, you know, against Jason Jackson and he was throwing very raw power against... I've never seen Vincent Henderson throw the sort of raw power he was throwing against Michael Chandler. He was throwing, like, big shots. I was watching, uh, you know, Tyson Fury at, at the weekend against uh, against Wilder and he came out in the first... Well, the second fight against Wilder, but the, the first win against Wilder with a completely different style, you know, attacking... And Vincent Henderson, you know, maybe it's a shocking thing for me to say here. Maybe people didn't realize it. And I didn't realize it until probably my third watch back of it and thinking about what he had said. He was coming out and he was throwing, uh, throwing more shots. And um, I wonder at this stage of his career, is he just saying, like, screw it. I, I'm just going to come out here and I'm just I'm going to make fun fights. I'm going to try to get big knockouts. I'm going to bring it to the person. And, it, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. And I, uh, we'll see. We'll see if he begins Primus because... If this fight happened four years ago, right, I would I would kind of say this is probably going to be a boring fight. You know, Henderson's probably going to stay on the outside, not give Primus the opportunity to, to use his jiu-jitsu, probably maybe a couple of takedowns throughout it, but nothing much. Whereas this one, I think Henderson's actually going to come in. I think he's going to try to make it 
uh, a dogfight and make it a, a maybe not dogfight necessarily, but a fight where he throws lots of those big shots as I previously mentioned and gives Primus the opportunity maybe to get the fight to the ground, whether that's by Hinson, uh, Vincent Henderson taking him down or you know, with Primus maybe getting a takedown of his own. So, you know, that one that's kind of my prediction for that one. I think it's going to be a funner fight maybe than people expected. Um, and when you see two names like this, maybe you are expecting a fun fight, but it doesn't always work out that way. And sometimes, you know, it can turn into kind of a an outside of the of range kickboxer match. But I feel this man might be a little bit better. And I, my, that would be my prediction for this fight. It'd be uh, a bit surprising and, and a bit of a better fight than maybe we're, uh, we're, we're expecting. So I leave that there and let's move on to the co-main event and the main event. And the light heavyweight tournament, uh, Ryan Bader versus Corey Anderson. Um, and the first thing I must say about this fight, watching Ryan Bader uh, in his last couple of fights, I, I, I wonder is he looking a little bit old. Like that, that would be my only thing about Bader. He met Nimkov in the middle, and he tried to fire with him a little bit, like the uh, the kind of the Anderson versus uh, Yashimurdov fight, where I mentioned you know, Yashimurdov was throwing all those big shots, and Anderson was kind of countered him when he was fighting off the the back foot a little bit. We'll get into Anderson more again in a second, but as I said, um, Bader is getting a little bit older. He tried to fight, I think, a speed game with Ninkov, and he was beaten to the punch in that fight. And when you're fighting someone like Anderson. That's a tough one because, as I mentioned with the Yashimurdov fight, that was a that was that sort of fight, you know, where someone was beating someone to the punch and he just was first. I wonder in this fight if Benson or, or Benson, if uh, Ryan Bader tries to impose his wrestling a bit more. Um, he did take Nimkov down in that fight and he wa was able to get on top. You know, we've seen Corey Anderson before; he has good wrestling himself and he has taken people down. Um, but I think if Bader was smart about it, set it up right, did the right things. I think he can get some takedowns against Corey Anderson. But I I wonder, I just wonder if he will trust his striking a little bit too much. Now he might come out and strike him up. What, what do I know? Maybe I'm totally wrong. But I just feel like he's a step slower than he was before. I know he's getting on as well. I, I don't know if he's age up here in front of me, but I think he's, what, 37, 38 now at this stage. So he's getting a little bit older. You know, you look at Corey Anderson then at the other side, and he's kind of, I, I think he's around his prime now. You know, coming over to Bellator, a lot of people were surprised when he was right up there at the at the top of that Bellator, or the UFC light heavyweight division. And John Jones obviously was gone. So, you know, he would have been right there, uh, probably at this stage. But he's two fights since he came over. Melvin Manhoof, you know, he kind of just took him down. As, you know, Melvin's a legend, obviously, of the game, but... You know his kickboxing style is 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 not going to cut it at the at the highest level right now. And then the aforementioned about four times that the Ashimurdov fight, um, in that fight, you know, we mentioned takedown, so he got the takedown at the right time. Uh, but his chin was to, there to be kind of hit at times as well when he was so attacking, when he was throwing big shots. I wonder if he will be as attacking, um. Against Spader, like I went back and I watched the Andlohovich fight, and he wasn't nearly as attacking in that fight in the UFC as he has been so far in Bellator, and maybe that's because he didn't maybe respect his opponents as much as he respected uh, Jan Blachowicz. He was fainting a lot more. He was trying to be a lot smarter, and I actually think we'll see more of that Corey Anderson here against Bader, and he'd be picking his shots, trying to be faster, trying to be. Um, trying to be first to the punch here against Bader and I think that's probably the right way to do it because this is a huge fight for Anderson you know he made that decision to go to Bellator to leave the UFC in the position he was in the UFC and 
this is really uh, this is the fight that tells you know okay if he loses he can come back and he can he can fight and he can fight his way back up to the title again make you know make no mistake about that i'm not saying anything you know this is the end of the road for him or anything but this is an opportunity for Corey anderson to prove that he made the kind of the right decision to come to bellator to be in the championship pitch or maybe to become the champion uh and if he doesn't beat ryan bader who has kind of proven over the last year that he's maybe no longer in the championship picture. Now, you know, Ryan Bader was one of those guys that did the same thing. He came to, to Bellator when, you know, he was calling out DC and he could have fought DC for the title at the time uh, if my uh, if my timing served me right. But he was calling out DC and, you know, maybe John Jones came back at that stage. I don't know, but you, you know what I mean anyway. Everyone remembers that. And... Um, he came over and he proved that, but I, I think it's a, another few years past that now. But we will see. We, you know, it's, it's a fight as well for Bader. Is, is there? Uh, and it, it's a weird thing to say, be said about Ryan Bader because like you kind of still half remember him coming up as a young fighter. It's weird to say, he's, oh, he's old now. But is there? You know, a bit of fuel left in the tank for Bader, and can he get back there? And if he look, this could be Bader's last opportunity to get to a, a title fight in Bellator, and it's a big, big fight for him. So if he wins it, he's right there as well. But uh, I'm looking at Corey Anderson in this one. Obviously, I'll have the the betting preview as well coming up. But um, we'll see what the prices are. It'll be very interesting to see who actually is favorite. I, I think Corey Anderson should be a slight favorite here, uh, or maybe 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 a little bit more than a slight favorite. But uh, yeah, I'm really really looking forward uh, to this one. Uh, so let's get to the main event, uh, Vadim Ninkov versus Julius Anglicus. And I'll, I'll be honest, I hadn't seen much of Anglicus before this. I've probably seen him fight once, but, you know, didn't really pay that much attention to it beforehand. But he's a very, very good fighter. You know, you, I don't think there's any denying that. I was watching him, and the first thing I, I the, the word you would describe Anglicus as is solid. You know, he's just solid frame, a solid fighter, a good orthodox, athletic, hard-hitting fighter another word i would describe him as is robotic he's very much and and that's not necessarily a bad thing you know that might sound like a bad thing you know but i, I don't think it necessarily is he's a lovely jab lovely one twos right down the middle um and for for a bigger kind of guy to throw fast one twos from kind of a more robotic place as i mentioned it's very very tough that's not something you see an awful lot um and I, I I watched one of his fights. Which which fight was it? God Almighty, I don't have it written down here now. Um, but it was his last. It was his last fight anyway, or, or one one of his last two fights. And the Miller the Millard fight was the other one. So watch what you watch one of the fights, right? And you see him, and he looks like a kickboxer. You know, he's doing nothing but jabbing right down through the middle, throwing a few leg kicks and things like that. And then he comes out against Millard. I think it was in the fight before. And he's like double legging people. You see the introduction is like they're calling him a wrestler and everything like that. And I was like, oh well what does that prove you know what does that show that shows that we have a well-rounded guy here you know with a good record of 10 and 1 he was able to take miller down with such ease but not it was easy because he timed it so well you know double leg takedowns in the middle of the cage are very very rare these days in mma lots of times we see people pushing their opponent against the cage and pulling them down and taking them down there um so when you see someone like anglicus double-legging someone in the middle of the cage you know that he is uh at, at kind of a level where he he kind of has something special in that part of his game and you can evidently see that and then on top controlled with ground pound he was one of those guys where you know where they push the elbow into the face and just make it nasty you you love to see that you really do <laughs> getting to the top level people who can make it tough on you just make it hard on you um it's uh it's a frightening prospect for someone as big and strong and 
and kind of technically good as him. So very, very impressed by Anglicus watching the tape on him. Um, the biggest thing I would say from him, right, is if you're looking at him, okay, first of all, looking at him himself, fighting Jordan Young, he had a lot of leg kicks. Uh, and some, when someone is, you know, kind of standing in the middle and, and throwing jabs down the middle, that is an issue. You know, you're going to eat leg kicks. We saw Nimkov, he throws, a, no, no, not a lot of leg kicks, but he throws a few leg kicks. I would think as well Nimkov is probably a little bit quicker than him. I've said, and when I mean quicker, maybe not necessarily quicker to the punch or quicker at throwing those one-twos down the middle as Anglicus does, but I think quicker on the feet. He moves around a little bit better, probably throws combinations a little bit better as well in terms of like multiple punch combinations, um, you know, wins you know he beats phil davis twice knocked out twice even knocked out ryan bader uh he dealt with the pressure of bader very well by throwing three to five punches kind of and i think it's a very similar thing that will be needed against anglicus because anglicus will push forward he will pressure um what nimkov showed as well that he was very very fast and he showed against bader you know who was fighting at heavyweight before and kind of was coming back down and was maybe bigger than he once was um i think that'll be a benefit for him as well against anglicus who fights with a little bit of a slower pace you know can throw fast as i mentioned but is more robotic and is a little bit slower and he will have to deal with that pace and he will have to deal with that kind of those shots down the middle but i think he will try to outpace him now over five rounds, if he doesn't put Anglicus out of there, that's that's a, a tough game plan to keep going for five rounds. Um, and, you know, if you look at it, Bader took him down, Albrexen took him down. Can Anglicus take him down? I think that'd be a big thing as well. And it could, you know, it could be something that changes the fight. Um, he has, you know, a few takes downs himself. He took down, was it Carvalho? I was watching the fight. And he'll do that if he, he needs. He's, a, you know, won that fight by rear naked choke. In the Albrexen fight as well, and this was a long time ago, and it was in a, a ring as well, so maybe we can ride it off a little bit. But he did show he had good transitions in that fight. He did get taken down, but he landed on top a good few times as well. Um, you know, he's shown in fights that he will take a shot to counter. He's very fearless jab and a right hand, uh, and he has that finishing ability as well. So in this fight, I, I could see a jabbing battle playing out, and is it kind of maybe going to be the accuracy and the, the kind of the staunch stand in the middle of the cage ability from Anglicus or is it going to be maybe the speed and power of uh, of Nimkov it's hard to know but Anglicus to me looks really powerful but there's a different sort of level of power when you get to the likes of Nimkov you know who is at the very very top so this look most people probably, and I'm sure when the bet nods come out this will be uh this will be Nimkov being a big big favorite here and look, I think he will probably win the fight as well. But I, I think Anglicus has a squeak here. I think he has a chance. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm not just previewing this card as, you know, this is not Bellator PR right here. But watching these fights, it's... It, it, look, some people, you watch their fights and they think, right, they're a good fighter, but they have these big flaws and they're going to get exposed. Watching Anglicus, you just think he's a good fighter, really. You just think there's too much there for him to not have a chance against anyone in the world fighting at that weight class. Now, it might be a little bit early for him, a little bit of short notice as well. That's definitely a thing. And he's fighting someone, a fantastic fighter uh, like Nimkov. Make absolutely no mistake about that. But I, I wouldn't rule him out. I wouldn't rule him out. So it's going to be a good fight, I think. It's going to be a good technical fight. And uh, I'll actually, uh, you know what? In this fight, I'm very, very interested to see how it actually plays out because I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Anglicus will be coming in looking for takedowns straight away if he will be, you know, fighting straight out with that jab, and if Nimkov will kind of be running around and trying to land shots and three, four shots and get away from him, or if it will just turn into like a straight-up boxing match, a jabbing match, which is kind of my preferred option, maybe. I love a bit of a jab, but, 
yeah, it's an intriguing fight, a very, very fun fight, and I can't wait uh, to see it. So, yeah, uh, I'll leave it there at that even. Uh, thank you very much for watching. As I mentioned, I'll just run through the main card again, the... Um, from from uh, from bottom to top, uh, after the you know the the prelim main event of Karl Albrechtson versus Yatshimuradov, uh, the main card opens up with Henry Corrales versus Yaroslav Pravrochenko, the eighteen and six Corrales versus the sixteen and two Pravrochenko, the former UFC lightweight champion Benson Henderson twenty eight and ten fights the former Bellator lightweight champion Brent Primus ten and two. Ryan Bader, former multiple away champion, twenty eight and six, fights um, Corey Anderson, the longtime contender across promotions of fifteen and five, and the Bellator light heavyweight champion Vadim Nimkov, fourteen and two, fights the challenger on short notice Julius Anglicus at ten and one. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. I really, really appreciate it and watching as well. Uh, my name is Sean Sheen for Shardog.com, and I'll see you next time.